The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. With the coronavirus crisis requiring a coordinated response between the federal government and our states and territories, we thought that this week we'd take a step back and look at how the Federation operates. In this episode, we focus on its formation. We talk you through how responsibilities are split, the structures that have been put in place to coordinate those responsibilities, as well as how some of it has been rethought recently. Squeeze Shortcuts, the backstory to the big stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Bit of a history lesson to start. Federation happened on the 1st of January 1901 when New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, Western Australia and Tasmania came together to form the Commonwealth of Australia. Briefly, Claire, what did things look like before Federation? Before Federation, those six colonies were self-governing colonies of Britain. As such, each was subject to the authority of the British government, but they had their own governments and laws and defence forces, and each collected taxes on goods that crossed their borders. We've mentioned six states. The ACT was just a, a twinkle in our nation's eye as it wasn't created until some years later when Canberra was picked as the capital, which is a whole other shortcut. But what about the Northern Territory? The NT has a really interesting backstory too. It was part of the colony of New South Wales from 1825 to 1863, except for 1846 when it had a short-lived go at its own government. It was the colony of Northern Australia. It was then administered by South Australia from 1863 to 1911. So it was a decade after Federation that it was separated from South Australia and transferred to federal control. And something I learnt whilst researching this one, New Zealand and Fiji were invited to join the Commonwealth of Australia. New Zealand had participated in those Australian colonial conferences since the 1860s, but it ultimately decided against joining the Federation as a state. And over the years, there's also been plenty of proposals for our Pacific neighbours to join our nation, including PNG and Fiji, as you say. All right, so you've got these six colonies operating as their own nations. Why change it? Well, it didn't happen quickly. The 1800s saw federations become cemented in the US and Canada. So there was a bit of a look at what was happening over there. But here, the movement was stunted by the smaller colonies who didn't much like the idea of delegating power to a national government. They feared that they might be dominated by the larger colonies of New South Wales and Victoria. So that's been a bit of a theme throughout history. But over time, nationalism, anti-immigration sentiment grew especially with the gold rush in the mid-1800s, and that brought with it many Chinese immigrants. This led to calls for a national government that had powers to make stronger immigration laws. And I guess in addition to this, colonists started to agree that a national government would be handy to deal with issues such as trade and defence, as well as immigration, as you say. So with support for the Federation, really starting with the leaders of those colonies, I wonder when did the public come around to the idea? It took a bit of time, but as far as a landmark moment, that came when the Premier of New South Wales, Sir Henry Parks, delivered the Tenerfield Address. That's the speech that called for a great national government for all Australians. And it was really the first time that the public had been appealed to on the matter, and it provided some momentum for that change. 
I think a lot of people will be thinking, this is ringing a bell, history, high <laughs> school history. Tentfield something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the location of that speech in Tentfield, as you say, is important. It's a New South Wales town, but it's situated close to the Queensland border. Towns there were having to pay taxes on goods sent over the border, so were therefore more supportive of Federation and the free trade that it would bring about. And that brings us to the next segment, which is how responsibilities were to be split between the federal government and the state and territory governments. Let's take a look. We're skipping over a bit of history here, but basically a vote on federation was put to the people and after two referendums, it was passed. From there, it had to go to the British Parliament to be voted on. That all sailed through. And on the 9th of July, 1900, Queen Victoria signed the Commonwealth of Australia Constitution Act 1900. And it was on the 1st of January 1901 that the Commonwealth of Australia was declared at a ceremony held in Centennial Park in Sydney. So now responsibilities were divided amongst the federal government and the governments of the six colonies, we now know them as the states. How did they divide up these responsibilities? Well, that all comes back to the Constitution, which to summarise gives the Commonwealth the power to legislate on areas that concern the nation as a whole. So think about things like trade, immigration, defence, foreign affairs, marriage, Mm. divorce, postal services, telecommunication services, those sorts of things. Also some parts of our taxation system. And then the state governments, they look after things that really deliver the services like education, policing, criminal law, healthcare, transport, local government services, those sorts of things. So broadly, the federal government raises most of the taxes, but the states deliver services. Is this why when we look at what's happening now with the coronavirus crisis, it's the federal government that provide the money to bail us out? JobKeeper, for example. Yeah, when you look at all the tax that's raised in Australia, about 80% of that is done by the federal government through income tax, company tax, the GST, those sorts of things. And then I guess because the states and territories are responsible for law and order, their borders, sports, schools, it falls on them in a crisis like this to make the call about what their citizens are allowed to do. That's exactly right. And they're the boots on the ground, so to speak. So because each state and territory has a different set of circumstances to deal with as well in terms of the coronavirus crisis, it's really up to them to go as fast or as slow as their government sees fit. And of course, this is the workings of our entire government system that we're talking about here. So of course, it's not always as clear cut as that. There is overlap in responsibilities. For this reason, some formal structures have been put in place to work through how this is all coordinated. Let's have a look at those now. It was 1992 when a forum was created where the federal governments plus the state and territories would come together to discuss the areas where they have to work together, and that's the Council of Australian Governments. We know it as COAG. That's the one. Its aim was to bring those governments together to manage matters of national importance that required coordinated action. For example, COAG has played a really important role in implementing policy reforms in areas like education and training, microeconomic reform, early childhood development and Indigenous policy. So it's definitely achieved things, but recently there's been some criticism of COAG, some saying it's too bureaucratic, things don't happen quickly enough. The leaders meet a couple of times a year and the policy areas like health and education are then broken up into various councils where the ministers involved meet on that more times through the year. But these can be really tricky issues that they're dealing with and nothing ever moves quickly enough for Mm. people who want to see change. 
So when we now look at COAG, it's sort of been gazumped during this coronavirus crisis by a new meeting of the federal and state leaders. I'm talking about the National Cabinet. Yeah, Scott Morrison announced the formation of the National Cabinet back in March. It's a really special intergovernmental decision-making forum that's brought together the nation's political leaders a couple of times a week, Mm. and that's intended to really help coordinate the national response to the COVID-19 pandemic, but importantly, to make decisions really quickly. And that arrangement's been praised by all involved in dealing with the coronavirus crisis. But one criticism from observers has been that there's no clear message to come out of the National Cabinet on things like social restrictions. And that's because the shoe really is on the other foot when it comes to who holds power in the relationship between the federal government and the states and implementing a response to this crisis. So it's up to the states and territories to determine the pace at which they ramp up or relax restrictions based on the conditions that they face. And that means that there's no real national consistency. And some people have complained about that being confusing, but that's federation for you. So is there a situation where the federal government can override the states? Our constitution is really clear about what a federal government responsibility is, but it doesn't say anything about what state government responsibilities are. So everything that's not written down about the Commonwealth is a state government responsibility. It also talks about the state governments being able to give responsibilities to the federal government, but it doesn't talk about the federal government being able to reach in to the state government's lives and take things from them. So that's a bit of a grey area. And it's also a really current one because you might remember during the bushfire emergency, Scott Morrison talked about not having the ability to declare a national emergency and deploy the defence force to help out with that bushfire emergency right across the country. So he is having the government look at a constitutional and legal framework to be able to declare an emergency at a national level without the states requesting that. So back to the National Cabinet, if it was to become more of a permanent fixture, would this make COAG irrelevant? Scott Morrison has said that it's made the Federation more responsive Mm. and more coordinated than we've seen for many years. But these are really special circumstances and many observers think that when the crisis has passed, it'll be back to the old ways of doing things. But let's hope that the goodwill and the relationships that have been forged in these difficult times last. And what about broader reform to our constitution to revamp the Federation? A tricky one. It is a tricky one. It's something that comes up from time to time, but no federal leader has really been willing to burn their political capital on unpicking the foundations of our system of government. You're really getting to the heart of things and it's once you start unravelling it, it never ends. And that's our shortcut to the Federation. We'll leave it there. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) On to our recommendations. Each week in Squiz Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading or listening or watching. Mine's really simple this week, Claire. It's a link to read more about the history of the Federation from the Parliamentary Education Office. It's a great resource, that one. Isn't it? Lots of really good, easy to understand things. I've got a link to Sir Henry Park's Tenderfield address, which is something we probably as Australians should know about. We should. We should. We should. I think everyone listening would probably know it broadly, but if you'd like to read it in full, it's available in your episode notes. Thank you for listening in this week. As always, if you like what you've heard, please tell people about our shortcuts. They're also available in written format on our website if you've got 
mates who aren't so much podcasters but would like a shortcut to these topics. There's plenty more episodes where this has come from. Last week, we tackled the World Health Organisation. We've got one out on infectious diseases, both quite topical right now. Just search for Squeeze Shortcuts to have a listen to those. Until next time. Thank you.